This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Taylor Craven is a former U.S. Youth National Team and University of North Carolina player. Her path through club soccer in Southern California wasn't what you would probably expect. She was always a standout player and an ultra-competitive defender, but when her path crossed with Brian Clyburn, things took an interesting turn. Now, this interview touched on a lot of topics. Some of them were incredibly difficult for Taylor to discuss, but she shared a lot of stories and provided a lot of insight that I feel is beneficial for anybody to listen to. Some of the stuff that we talked about were training with Brian's boys teams and how that helped her level up as a player, what it was like playing for Anson Dorrance and why college soccer didn't go as planned, and how she and her husband have transitioned from playing careers to new careers outside of soccer. When I first reached out to Taylor, she seemed a little bit confused as to why I wanted to talk to her. Thankfully, she just rolled with it. And the end result was this amazing episode featuring someone that is intimately connected to the beginnings of 343. And you are about to hear all about that in this interview with Taylor. This episode of the 343 podcast is supported and funded by the 343 Premium Coaching Education members. If you are already a member of the 343 Coaching Programs, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with what 343 offers, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. 343 are the proven leaders in possession-based soccer coaching education here in the United States. From training eight-year-olds to graduating academy players to national teams and professional contracts, 343 has demonstrated expertise at virtually every level of the development process. The premium coaching membership is the culmination of Brian Clyburn's work, specifically a lifetime of studying gold standard examples from around the world and then applying it for over 15 years here in the United States. Gary Clyburn, a professor by day, took years and years worth of actual training footage and actual match footage and organized it into an online university to help you reduce your trial and error time and get right to the work that matters. The 343 Premium Coaching Education Membership will guide you through developing a clear vision for your team, choosing the right activities to bring that vision to life, and helping you and your team play better soccer. Over 3,000 coaches have already taken advantage of this head start, so don't get left behind. To learn more about the benefits of the 343 Coaching Education Programs and to help support this podcast, please visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 3, 4, and 3, coaching, all spelled out. Com. All right. I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Taylor Craven. Hey, Taylor. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, all right. You ready for this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Um, 
you're probably like, why the hell does this guy even want to interview me? But uh, <laughs> um, I think I think it's it's well, there's a, there's a couple of different reasons. So obviously, you were coached by Brian Clyburn, and um, the people that listen to this podcast are very very familiar with what Brian is up to these days, especially oh, cool. especially since uh, starting the podcast about three years ago, where people have kind of. Mm-hmm picked up from from there so he's been at LA Galaxy the majority of that time um, mm-hmm. and primarily working with boys players but what people yeah. do not know is that he actually had a good chunk of time with a very very high level girls team which you were part of yes so I, I did not it, like us <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's what I want to I, I want to talk about that <laughs> that's funny um and then I also I, I recently had the amazing opportunity of interviewing Anson Dorrance. At, oh really? Yeah. So I, I got a chance. Yeah. So I got a chance to go over to his house and sit across from him at his kitchen table. And I've never been more like intimidated while doing an really? interview than than doing that one. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. What were you doing in North Carolina? I was there for a soccer camp. So oh, we okay. yeah, we we from time to time we will kind of like contract out and just and, and do some soccer camps. And so we yeah, had, yeah. we, yeah, we had some Wait, interest that, over there. Did you go there with Brian as well? Cause I remember he texted me saying that he was going to UNC or going to North Carolina a couple months ago. No, I wasn't there when he was there. And I believe, oh, okay. I believe he was there for like a his, tournament or something. Yeah. I think it was that. And then he was also there for his, his coaching licenses, a license. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, all right. I have questions for you. (laughs) Um, maybe if you could start with a a little bit of an introduction of, of who you are and where you're from and how you got involved with the game of soccer in Southern California. Okay. Um, well, my name is Taylor Ann Craven. I am recently married. I used to be Taylor Ann Ramirez. Um, I grew up in Anaheim, California. Um, my whole family was like baseball, basketball, and I was the oddball that liked soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I tried playing softball, and it was way too slow. Wasn't very good at basketball, and soccer just stuck with me at a young age. And I enjoyed running, and I enjoyed the fast pace of the game. Um, and from there, I just played club. I was with, um, I think, goodness, the name was the Wolves. I think the Wolves. It was like a really old club in like, I don't know, 2006 or something. From there, I then went to OSC, which is um, the club that Brian came to coach us at. But he wasn't my first coach. He was like my third coach for the team. Um, but from there, Brian helped me like immensely. He like put me on like a fast track to achieving my goals. Like, I think it was probably one of our first games that he coached us. Um, he took me aside and was like, okay, like, obviously we are in like recruitment mode. Where do you want to go to school? And I told him, I'm like, I want to go to North Carolina. And he was like, okay, do you want to go anywhere else? And I was like, no, I only want to go to North Carolina. 
And he was like, all right, well, then let's make it happen. And I think that was like my sophomore year of high school. Um, and then from there, he basically would have me training with his boys team, um, as well as training with my team. And then I would also like show up to practice early and like work with Gary, um, Brian's brother. And he constantly was just pushing me, pushing me, pushing me to just be a better player and to be a very unique player. And um, finally he was like, okay, like we're going to, I forgot what tournament it was, but it was like the tournament where it's not um, like the California cup. I don't know, whatever like the biggest tournament is for clubs for like girls club soccer. It was like some other tournament that if you win that, you get like automatic acceptance to go to like whatever this tournament was, but we were in um, San Jose and, and, or Anson, <laughs> Brian was like, okay, like, you know, like there's going to be a lot of big teams here um, or big college coaches here. Like you need to make sure you're playing at your best. Um, unfortunately, UNC was not there, but like Stanford, Santa Clara, I think UCLA was there. And I had a great tournament and started getting recruited by Stanford, Santa Clara um, and UCLA. And from there, um, Brian was like, okay, now we can, email Anson and basically let him know like you're a big deal and that he's going to want to start recruiting you. So Brian sent an apparent, apparently an amazing email. I don't even remember what the email <laughs> was, but um, it got Anson's attention. And shortly after I started receiving um, recruitment mail from university of North Carolina. And from there it was just kind of like, a pretty easy path to recruitment. <laughs> I um, had gone only because my parents made me. I went to um, on an official visit to Stanford, to Santa Clara, um, UCLA, and then a couple of small schools in Orange County. Um, my parents were very, very hopeful that I was going to school in California and they did not want me to go across the country. <laughs> but as soon as I went to North Carolina, I absolutely fell in love with it. And when I met with Anson and the whole staff, I was just in awe and absolutely in love. Um, and it was actually kind of funny because I sat down with Anson at my recruiting meeting and he brought out Brian's email he had printed it out and like put it in front of me and he was like this is one of the best emails that I've ever received from any club coach he was like I can tell that this guy 100% believes in you and his passion alone made me believe in you and um and I think yeah at that point he had already seen me play sorry backtrack he Anson saw me play at a um college showcase in Vegas which, like, the funny thing is, is we had never gone to any showcases. Um, I don't know if, like, Brian just, like, wasn't that into them or just, like, didn't want to schedule them. But he booked <laughs> this college showcase simply for me because he knew that Anson was going to be there. And so he was like, okay, like, we're going to Vegas so that Anson can see you play. And, like, that's basically, like, how invested he was in me. Like, he was making the team go play places <laughs> just so that I could be seen by, by, the play, by the coaches and by the schools that I wanted to go to. Um, so I played well at the Vegas Showcase. 
Um, and then I think that was in like no, November-ish um, of my junior year. And then shortly after that, that summer, I went to my unofficial visit to North Carolina. And then they offered me um, pretty much a full ride without my books um, paid for. So everything was paid for besides my books. And then from there, I basically just told my parents that I'm going to North Carolina and I don't really care about anything else. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, there, There's a lot of other pieces kind of woven into that story that that I know that, mm-hmm. that you kind of just, you kind of just skipped over, which I understand skipping over it, but like there's national team appearances in there, like youth national team appearances in there. Yeah. Um, there's, um, yeah, like the, the extra work with, with Gary. And then you said the boys mm-hmm. team, but, but mm-hmm. I, I really want to like highlight the, the experience with the boys team. Like this wasn't just any boys team. These were national champions. Yeah, they were really good. All pretty much all the top players went to like top 10 like NCAA teams and like had full rides. Like they were really good. <laughs> yeah, so so you weren't you weren't just playing with like, you know, some random guys at the park. Like you were you were playing with, you know, guys. Like if I'm not mistaken, I mean, there was Christian Ramirez, Miguel Ibarra, like like Choco, like those guys those were the guys that you were out yeah, there with, right? So Choco um which Choco was like at the time was like my best friend. Like I hung out <laughs> pretty much like every day. Um, and Christian Ramirez, I never played with him, but they always talked about him and they played against him. Um, he might have trained with them occasionally, but on a regular basis, um, I wasn't trained with him. And Miguel, is it you said Miguel? Yeah. I don't think he was with us. Um, okay. He might have been. It, it, it just, frequently he the, it, the name doesn't really ring a bell okay yeah th- th- so i i might i might have been mistaken then you were with like jonathan prieto and yeah jonathan prieto okay. jacob Ibar, wait, jacob i forgot what his name is um and then jonathan roman uh yeah Choco, okay. and i don't know if you know facundo <laughs> all yeah. those guys I know, I know a lot of the names. I don't, I don't, I don't know all those guys. Only, only a handful of them. Um, yeah. I think it was, was it Jacob Barone that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's like, like that was the caliber of player that, that you were out there training with and mm-hmm. you, you didn't have, let, let me see, let me, let me frame this correctly. You were going up against some of the best attacking players in the country at the time and you were a defender, correct? Yes, that's correct. So tell me a little bit about what that experience was like. Um, it was really fun. I I always loved training with the boys. The very first practice that I went out with them, like I remember vividly because I was scared like shitless. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I think I was just a sophomore in college, yeah. So kind of what started us um, or me training with the boys was I played volleyball in high school and um, the varsity schedule was conflicting with my practice schedule. And so since the games were later, I would be missing um, my club team's practice. And so Brian was like, okay, well then how about you just come out with the boys? Um, Cause I, I think I would be missing like Tuesday practices cause that's when our, my um, high school volleyball games were. 
So he's like, just come out, practice with the boys on like Monday, Wednesday, and then you can still practice with the girls team on Thursday. So that's kind of what started um, me practicing with the boys is because I had a conflict of schedule. But the very first practice, I was absolutely terrified because these were like, in my eyes, like grown men that were like so (laughs) fast and so strong. And like, I'm so competitive just by nature. And I was not willing to let these guys like make a fool of me or for me to be like the weakest link on the team. Like, I think that was pretty much my goal is I was like, okay, I don't need to be the best, but like, I definitely can't be the worst because I don't want people (laughs) to like cringe having me on their team. So, um, it was definitely so much faster than what I was used to playing. Um, but it was so much fun and it definitely challenged me because these guys like footwork was just so fast and they were so quick. And so I had to adjust the way that I would play because normally I would be like the fastest, strongest person on the field with girls and it, I could make mistakes and it wouldn't be an issue because I could recover and all problems are solved. But with the boys, it's like, if I make a mistake, like they'll eat it up and then I'll get scored on. <laughs> so it definitely made me play a lot smarter, which ended up benefiting me in the long run. But um, actually, the very first practice that we had, I remember there was this guy, I think he was a goalkeeper, but for some reason, they were having him play on the field. And he was, he was like, so sweet, like one of the sweetest dudes, like on the team. But he just wasn't very like conscientious. Like, he didn't quite realize that, like, I'm a girl, like, if you hit me, I will fly because I'm not as dense (laughs) as the rest of the boys. And he just like plowed through me and ended up giving me like a bloody lip and like my lip was swollen and like (laughs) everybody just like, it was like dead silent when he hit me. (laughs) And I think I'm pretty sure Brian like went off on him and was just started yelling at him and was like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And he felt so bad. And like, I was fine. Like I didn't care if I had like a bloody lip or something. But that was like my first practice. And then everybody just made fun of that guy, like the days and weeks and months after, because he had done such a ridiculous thing. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time, when's the last time you thought about these, these training sessions with the guys? Like, do you, do you come back to these memories often or is this something you don't revisit all that often? Um, I mean, I guess like, it's not something that I don't like want to think about. I'm not necessarily like in the world of soccer. So like, I don't necessarily think of soccer all that often. Um, but I still like see them occasionally. Um, and so like when I do see them, like it does bring up like the good fun memories of like training with them and everything like that. I, I want to go back to something that you said, um, just, just a second ago or just a minute ago mm-hmm. when you said that, training with the boys, they, they would kind of punish you for your mistakes. And when you were playing mm-hmm. with the girls, you had the extra time or the ability to recover. Yeah. Did you know that you had that advantage over the girls before you had started training with the boys? Like, did you know that you could, you know, 
make those little mistakes and still and still be okay or did you only become aware of that after you started playing with the boys I think I really came aware of it after I was playing with the boys um I always knew like we would do like 1v1s and stuff with in practice with Brian and I always knew like well nobody's ever going to beat me like I just knew it like I didn't care who it was I was just like no one's going to beat me and I just had that confidence always going into it, but I didn't realize the intensity that the boys had. Like, I always was just very confident, like, oh, well, if I went up against them, I'm sure I would do well. But I don't think I quite understood, like, (laughs) the stark contrast between going up against the girl and going up against the boy. That makes sense. What, what, What also makes sense is that this ultra competitive nature that you have fits perfectly with Brian's ultra competitive nature and also Anson's ultra competitive mm-hmm. nature. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll share with you the, the title that I titled Anson's episode. So I titled it, this episode is not for losers. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's a, like right. a, yeah, like, like that's a perfect kind of description of him and of Brian and also of you. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm interested to, to learn a little bit more about your relationship with Anson and then to hear a little bit more about how your time there played out, because that's where mm-hmm. I start to, uh, I, I, I don't know as much about that part of your story. Yeah. Um, so if you could, if you could kind of just, you know, take the reins and, and, and direct the conversation in that, in, in that direction I guess that'd be good yeah yeah yeah. um so for just a little foreshadowing it didn't play out as I expected in college and as I thought that it would be but it was still probably one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life um so my freshman year I was coming off national camp so I was like super confident, was doing really well um, preseason and everything. Anson had me starting my um, freshman year. And I did like, he he kind of bounced me back and forth between like a holding mid and a center back. Um, And I think I struggled a little bit with being as a holding mid because it wasn't anything that I was ever used to, especially playing at a college level. Um, but from there, my sophomore year came, um, I ended up, so this is a little bit of a sad story, but there's no hard feelings, (laughs) but I, um, I was dating somebody my freshman year and he ended up passing away my sophomore year. So my sophomore year, I actually redshirted, um, and I didn't play at all my sophomore year, but we ended up winning the national championship my sophomore year, which is great. Um, And then junior year come back, um, I had kind of lost my spot on the team a little bit. So I definitely had to work at getting it back and getting more playtime. So junior year was a little bit of a struggle because I would play occasionally, but definitely not as much as I wanted to. Um, And then my senior year, I was playing a lot more, but I was playing as a holding mid. which I still wasn't like super comfortable with because I'm, I mean, it's like holding mid essentially is a defender, 
but the way that Anson wanted us to play it was like as a distributor, like forward. And that's just, it was just kind of foreign to me because it was like in, in my life, I always like gave it to the person that distributed it. <laughs> like I very seldom <laughs> was like the person distributing the ball. But, um, and then right after college, I decided I didn't want to play anymore. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was it. Not, yeah, not, not how you anticipated that playing out when you were a junior or senior in high school. No, not at all. <laughs> what, I mean, obviously the, the experience your sophomore year had a major impact mm -hmm. on, on how everything else kind of played out. What, what was the hardest thing about that that year I mean obviously losing somebody so close to you but on the road to kind of getting getting back into normal life what what were some of the things that that were the hardest to to get back to um I think it was just hard getting back to like a complete normal without people looking at me different like I kind of felt like I was in like this glass box that people didn't want to touch like I was very fragile like which I was but the fact that people looked at me different kind of extended it and made it a little bit worse but I think it was kind of like that aspect that like overshadowed even like soccer like it was hard for a lot of people to see me in like a normal light even at practice and like people didn't know how to treat me or how to handle me the way the way that you're talking about it kind of sounds like i i don't i don't want to say that you were like kind of by yourself or isolated but you're obviously across the country your family's not there with you your yeah. your teammates that you grew up with aren't aren't there for you and i'm not i'm not one bit hint, hinting at the fact or, or at the idea that your North Carolina teammates and coaches weren't there for you. But did you kind of feel like you were alone during that moment then? Yeah, I 100% felt like I was alone. I had like, obviously I had great friends that helped like a bunch, but I think it's just, it's hard to be in a program that has such big goals like every year we're trying to win a national championship like bottom line regardless of what's going on and I felt like I didn't want to get in the way of that because that was such a big goal that I understood and I respected and I wanted myself so a lot of the times I just kind of took a step back because I'm like you know I'm struggling but it's not as important as the bigger picture like my emotions will go away, but if like we achieve our goal, then that's, that's like the best thing possible for us right now. And so I think a lot of it was, I did take a step back in times where I probably should have asked for help or just talked about it. I was kind of like, you know what, like, I'm not that important right now. Like what's the most important thing is the team and our success. And I don't want to 
hinder that or take away from it. That's huge for a young soccer player to have like the awareness and even just like the, the ability to, to recognize that. And yeah, it, it, it's obviously not easy, but for you to be thinking about like, Hey, you know, there's 20 or so or 25 or so other girls that came here to accomplish a goal. Like I, I can't let myself get in the way of that goal. Like to, to be able to make that decision is, is incredible. I think, um, even though it didn't, it didn't play out the way that you ultimately wanted it to. Um, yeah. Can, can well, you, can you tell, tell me a little bit about like who else was on that, that team or, or some of your teammates from those, those three or four years you were at North Carolina? Because um, I, I think that'll yeah. help paint the picture for people too, of like who, who was around you at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so my freshman year, I'm trying to think the seniors that graduated, um, Courtney Jones, she never played. Well, she played with the national team for a bit, um, but she played professionally for the years to follow after college. Um, And then my sophomore year, the seniors were Amber Brooks, um, who played with the who who played professionally and is still playing professionally um, and then has occasionally gone in and out of national camp. And then we had Crystal Dunn, um, who's still playing with the national team and playing professionally. We had Kaylee um, Ojai. She's played professionally, still playing, and has gone in and out of national camp. I don't believe she's with the national team, like, at the moment. Um, and then we had um, Brianne Heberlin. She was a goalkeeper. I think she plays in Germany now. And let's see who else. Sitara Murray, who is my age, she plays in London, I believe, professionally. Um, and then who else? Um, I mean, I think that's like pretty much like all the big people. And then like we always had like Tobin Heath coming in to practice with us. Heather O'Reilly, Mia Hamm would come and practice with us, which like I think one of my favorite stories of Mia Hamm is she was like eight months pregnant. She was like literally about to pop. And I think it was when she was having her twins. Um, So like she was massive and she had come out to run some drills with our forwards and practice was ending. So all of us were taking off our boots and we're just like ready to go. But then she started running extra drills with our forwards. So we all stopped and watched and she was trying to explain something um, to Kaylee and Crystal and I think at the time, Keely and Crystal were sophomores. Yeah. So they, both of them were just a year older than me, um, were sophomores. And she was, like, trying to tell them, like, how they should be hitting the ball so that it, like, hits upper 90. And they just, like, weren't understanding what she was saying. And so she was like, okay, fine, let me show you. And she's, like, <laughs> eight months pregnant and bends the ball upper 90. And I, all of us were just, like, our mouths dropped. And we were just like, are you kidding me? Like, you are better than me eight months pregnant. And I'm like <laughs> a young, sprite, like 18-year-old. And you're eight months pregnant and you're just perfect. <laughs> That's funny. 
it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> what a what a crazy environment though that you guys are that you guys are in where you know players like Mia Hamm and Tobin and Heather are just like dropping in just to train yeah. or say hi or they would they would drop in and train like all the time, which was great because we just constantly got our asses kicked. Like it was like Anson. I think one of the best things is Anson was always like. I just want you guys to constantly struggle. <laughs> like, I don't want it to ever be easy for you. And like, even with our schedules, like he wanted to make sure that we had the hardest schedule our preseason. And obviously like in season, we can't like pick what teams we play because you're in a certain league. But um, our preseason, he would make the hardest schedule that he could possibly think of so that when it came to us playing in postseason, it would be easier theoretically. Um, and it's the same exact mentality that carried over in practice. Like he constantly wanted us to struggle. And we even had um, boys training with us. So they weren't um, from the men's team, obviously, but they were guys from the club team at our school um, that he would ask to come train with us. And so we even had like three or four boys that would train with us in practice and like, just kick our butts. <laughs> That's funny. Uh -huh. Do you have, can I still like 10 more minutes of your time? Yeah. I mean, okay. I have the whole morning. I don't have anywhere to be until like 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I know I, I usually ask people for like 30 to 45 minutes of, of time. And, and sometimes it's, like 20 minutes in and, and they're done. And then sometimes it's like two hours and, and I need to cut the person off. Like, all right, dude, like yeah. enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the transition out of, out of college and then into the real world. So yeah. at, at some point you, you must've made the, the decision that you were not going to pursue a career after or a soccer career. Sorry. Yeah. after college mm -hmm. when... so I think I think yeah. my junior year I kind of was like I'm a little bit over this and I feel like I've run my soccer path as much as I can um it was honestly it was really hard deciding that because I feel like when you're an elite athlete you have grown up being something like I was a soccer player. Like I didn't see myself as anything else. And I held my value in that, which is also like an issue in itself that I feel like a lot of athletes have is they identify as something and they identify with their sport and they pretty much hold their value in that sport. So it's like, what are you if you're not playing soccer? Like you have nothing else to identify with and you have nothing else to make you feel valuable and make you feel important. And I think when I finally came to terms with like, hey, I'm not going to play soccer like after college, like I just, I'm not as passionate about it as I used to be. And I think that I can be a lot more than just a soccer player. Like once I realized that it was like, so like, like a weight was lifted off my shoulder and I was just kind of like, cool. Like I am so much more than this sport. 
which my entire life, I didn't even realize that I was putting all my value into that sport and not really into anything else. And I think for a couple months, I like battled with it and it kind of made me mad because I'm like, why did I do this? Like, why did I just like put all my value into like one sport? And like, now I'm struggling trying to figure out like what I'm going to do with my life. When in reality, like, it's not that big a deal. Like people stop (laughs) playing sports all the time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so the transition after college was pretty easy because I had come to terms with it like previously because I kind of already decided like my end of my junior year like yeah like it's just not for me and then my senior year was just kind of like well I'm not gonna play so like I'm just gonna go like balls to the walls this season and just like do my best at every single thing which like Mm -hmm. my senior year definitely was the best year that I ever had like we always did technical testing, athletic testing, like any type of test you could think of, Anson did on us. And my senior year, I was like pretty much like top 10 to top five in every single one of them, which like I was extremely proud of because I'm like, I busted my ass and I'm good. And I know I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) That goes back to the ultra competitive nature that that Anson had created at the, or with the program. Mm-hmm. And and the way that you talk about that, now it almost seems like it was like a natural transition into what I think you're doing today still, uh, from just from what I can gather from following you on social media, is uh-huh. that you're still you're still kind of involved in like this fitness and and exercise kind of world, right? Yes, I am. I um so I model now. The <laughs> 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 opposite of soccer. But I model now, and one of my clients is um, F45, which is a hit workout um, gym. And they are the best thing that has happened to me in my modeling career. It's basically, it's, it's one of my passions is to like work out and challenge myself. But the exercises themselves are so challenging that they possibly are harder than some of the workouts that I've done in college. <laughs> wow. And I like absolutely love that aspect of it. And it just kind of makes me feel like I'm an athlete again. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense, Taylor, because uh, I'm trying to th- remember the name of the book uh, that I, I read or I listened to on a flight back from Europe. Um, it's by Sebastian Younger. I think it's something tri- tribes or tribal or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a, about um, members of the military when they're when they're coming back from from life being deployed and they have to kind of like come back into normal society. Like they have to reinsert themselves into you know the regular daily routines of regular people. And yeah. that, that adjustment is hard until they find something until they like find their, their purpose again and something that challenges them and, and can occupy like their brain uh, in a exciting, exciting ways. And so it's yeah. a very similar transition for athletes, whether it's college mm-hmm. or professional, when you lose like something like that identity that you've had for years and years and years, like, okay, well, how do I replace that competitive nature with something mm-hmm. that's healthy? And yeah. what you're kind of describing is exactly that. 
Yeah. And it's funny too, because so my husband um, played professionally as well. And he just retired this past, well, so this season for soccer was the first season he didn't play. And he's never done F45 and he started doing it. And it's like the same exact thing. Like he <laughs> loves doing it. And he's constantly like, I'm just getting so strong and like getting back to how he was. And I was like, he and I are in the same exact boat. <laughs> what teams did he play for? I don't know anything about him. So my husband is a lot better than I ever was. <laughs> he, um, so he grew up in St. Simon's Island um, from high school. Well, pretty much all through high school, he was in residency with the national team. Um, he played in the Youth uh, World Cup in Japan or Africa, one of those. Then he um, went to school at Charleston and then transferred to UNC. And that's where he and I met. And then at UNC, he pretty much just like killed it. His senior year, um, he was like the leading goal scorer in the country. He was up for the Mac Herman. And then he got um, drafted to Seattle and like was amazing there. Did so well. Um, and then he ended up getting hurt. And ultimately, like his injury was 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 what led to his retirement because he just wasn't able to get back to where he was. Got it. Was yeah. uh was he in the running for Mac Herman the same year that Choco was? Because that would be no. Funny. So Choco was, um, I think Choco's two years older than us. Okay. Yeah. So my husband was in the running, uh, two thousand and. 14 i believe okay yeah 2014 got it yeah that, that would have been another funny just correlation that i know well and what's funny <laughs> is they actually so they all know each other and of course they, they do yeah they didn't know that they knew each other and then when i was talking to my husband about like choco and jonathan he was like oh yeah like i know those guys i played against them and then when i was talking to them about my husband they were like yeah, like that guy with the long hair. Like, he has long hair. <laughs> like the guy with the long hair. Like, yeah, we know him. Um, and so it was just like such a small world. And then when when uh, my husband was in Seattle, Jonathan actually went on trial when my husband was there. And so they saw each other again there. Small world. I know, right? It's like once you get into the soccer world, everybody knows each other. <laughs> yeah, the the six degrees of separation. I think it it gets down to like three degrees of separation in the soccer world. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, all right. So at the end of every episode, I usually ask the guest, "What do people need to know?" and and I usually just just let that kind of kind of sit with the guest for a second before the answer and, and you can answer it however you, you want, but I'm, I'm very, very, uh, positive, actually 99% positive that this episode is, is probably going to get shared amongst, um, a lot of female players and coaches and administrators. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of parents that listen to this podcast are more than likely going to share this episode with, um, sons and daughters. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to lead you in the direction of, of giving a message to, to younger players, but mm -hmm. I, 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 I am curious, maybe, maybe I can just ask the question twice. Like what mm -hmm. do young 
young players or young girls need to know? And then what do people need to know in general? Yeah. Um, well, I know what I want to say, and I think, say it it. Can, <laughs> I think it can apply to any athlete in general, because this was my biggest struggle and it's pretty much just not seeing yourself only as an athlete because I feel like that puts too much weight on the sport and it takes away from the enjoyment. And when you feel like you have nothing else but the sport, it's not fun anymore as well as it's, it's hard to find your confidence in yourself when you don't value yourself more than your performance. And I think that's, if anything, I want my kids to grow up knowing that (laughs) they are so much more than the things that they do. Like they have multiple hats and they wear multiple, they have multiple responsibilities. um, And their value isn't just all in the sport that they play. Uh, it's it's super important and, and it's actually a theme that a lot of like high level performers or, or people in, in high level positions have have reiterated on this show before and, and the most recent example was with um uh, I interviewed the former technical technical director from the Croatian Federation and he's uh-huh. like I, I he's like I dedicated myself to my work for the last fifteen years and I haven't gone out with, and had a proper drink with my friends, you know, more yeah. than twice maybe. Like I can count it on one hand and and you know the the work ultimately paid off but when he looks back he's like if i could change one thing i would probably you know make a little bit more time for my family and my friends and and things like that yeah. and yeah. And, <laughs> and and that's that's something that i think when people interview professional like retired professional athletes especially that's that's a very common theme across all those interviews is like hey you know i wish i would have been a little bit more in the moment and appreciated it a little bit more while it was happening and and things like that so I'm I'm glad that that you mentioned that as well. Yeah, it's definitely something that has always been super important to me mainly because sadly on the team that I was on, a lot of the girls outwardly show showed their respect for you based off of your rank on the team. And that's kind of the culture that it created was like well, if you're not that good, you're not going to be treated the well, that well. Huh. And it literally pissed me off, like, to the core. But it's also, like, something that I've noticed in my husband as well. Like, he struggled with his identity because ever since he was in high school, he was an elite soccer player. Like, he technically played professional since he was like 14 years old because he was playing with the national team. And so when he finally retired, he was just like, what am I? Like, who am I? Like, I have nothing else. And this is what I've dedicated my life to. And I'm only 25 and I don't know what I want to do. And I can only imagine that multiple people experience this because it's just as an athlete, you completely devote your life to your sport because you want to be the best that you can possibly be. And I think it's kind of like a tunnel vision of I'm just going to do this and do this and do this. But then you kind of don't look left and you don't look right. And you kind of miss out on things that could possibly just be a hobby or something that can be fun to you. 
are are you uh are you aware of somebody named Amobi Akugo? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. He, so okay, he was the first interview that I ever did for 343. <laughs> Way back in the day when I was like a sophomore in high school. That's Gary funny. convinced me to do it. And I was like, sure, I'll interview him. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, because in my head, I'm thinking like, because he, he does a lot of stuff with like, I think his company is called A Frugal Athlete. Uh-huh. And... Um, and yeah, like what, like what you're saying right now, like the transition into, you know, this new fitness and modeling aspect of your life. And I'm not sure what your husband has on deck for, for, you know, the next phase of his career, but Amobi Amobi talks to a lot of former athletes across, you know, all, all sports, not just soccer, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but he, he's placed a lot of emphasis on that because himself as well, like, you know, he's, he's making that transition from being in major league soccer to now, you know, having to live a, you know, a day-to-day life being a businessman. And, and if you had it, if you weren't aware of who he was, I was going to ask if I could connect you guys, but since you guys are aware of each other, um, yeah, we're friends on Instagram. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, yeah, I had a Moby on the podcast on my podcast like a year ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. Um, Mm But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna send him a I'm gonna send him a message after this, letting him know I interviewed you, and and I'm gonna try That's to push exciting. him to to reach out to you and your husband. Yeah, totally. I would love to talk to him again. Yeah, for sure. That's so funny. Small world, huh? <laughs> I know. I, so so if you want to know, I truly was the first interviewer for three four three. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was you before you were you. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> no, I if if I'm not mistaken. If I go back on the Vimeo account, like we have like a, a, a Vimeo account where we keep all of our training videos and everything, I uh-huh. think I think the very first video that Gary uploaded somewhere in the or in the into the Vimeo account was an interview of Choco, like Choco being interviewed, and oh, yeah. I I haven't watched it for a long time, but if, I think if I went back and watched, I think it'd be hilarious. I don't know who was interviewing him; I can't remember. It might have been just Gary, just yeah, bombarding him with Gary questions. Yeah, that's so They're funny always- though. And do you know, do you know where or if that, that interview with Amobi exists anywhere? Um, I honestly, as far as I was concerned, cause we, I'm pretty sure we videotaped it. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it was like on like a camcorder cause it was, I think it was when he first was drafted. So he was playing in LA and we went to his hotel and recorded <laughs> a little video. It was him and someone else. It was like, um, a Moby and like some, I think the guy's name was like Jabang or something like that. His last name was like Jabang. I don't remember. They were, they know. were like two friends on the team that they were playing on. Um, but you'd have to ask Gary. It's probably in some like ancient video something. Shit, that might <laughs> like, that might even be on a floppy disk. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh wow! I, I now I need to track that down. That's gonna be funny. Yeah, it's a piece of three four three history. I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Taylor, I, I really appreciate you making time for this. And I know that Gary and Brian are really appreciative of it too. I, I, I let them know in a text message that I'd be interviewing you and they're both excited about it. So, Well, you can also let Brian know I'm still mad at him for not coming to my wedding. Oh, was it? did, did he have a game or something? I hope yeah. so. Okay. Yeah. No, he, he just... <laughs> 
subconsciously decided not to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm sure that he that he would have been there, but of course you know how important those yeah, games are. He's, yeah, he's always swamped with something. Yeah, of course. All right, well, yeah, I, uh, thank you so much for making time for this and and you're a of big course. part of the 343 of the 343 story and the history uh of the of the company and and um just of the story of of those two brothers. So Yeah, um, of course. And thank you for having me. I was kind of surprised that you wanted to talk to me, but I'm really <laughs> happy that we did it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sense now like after after doing it, right? Like it wasn't yeah, it wasn't that weird of an interview. Yeah. I was kind of like I don't know why he wants to talk to me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh it was fun and and maybe maybe we can do this again in the future too. Yeah, of course. We should get my husband on here. He has I, a lot more stories than I do. <laughs> I would absolutely love to. So if you can plant that seed in his head, I, I will definitely yeah. reach out again and, and try to do that interview. Yeah, of course. All right, cool. Well, we'll be in touch then for sure. All right, take care. All right, thanks, Taylor. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. I really appreciate you and I really appreciate today's guest, Taylor Craven, for coming on the show and for sharing her stories. And I hope that you found that insightful and you took something out of that conversation with Taylor. And if you would like to find more conversations with more players or coaches or parents or U.S. soccer administrators, a bunch of stuff, can find all of that at 343coaching.com and that is also where you can find our premium coaching education uh, membership which is the program that helps to support and fund this podcast so that is available on 343coaching.com here is a little clip from tom buyer talking about his experience taking one of our online courses and i can tell you after someone who's done a lot of coaches education both as a student as an instructor that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I like about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. Once again, if you would like to find more information about the programs that we offer at 343coaching.com, you can go to 343coaching.com. Wow, that was kind of weird. All right. So until next time, we uh, we appreciate you and we just want to know what you're up to, what you think of the show. So if you can leave us a rating or leave us a comment, that'd be great. And we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 podcast. Thank you.